Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, guys, episode, <laughs> to episode 18 of, wait, am I toxic? So I'm Fola, and I've got a special guest, a very special guest in the studio. Um, Ricky is sick today, unfortunately, like very ill. Um, so I've got the next best thing I could find to fill her in. <laughs> Do you want to introduce yourself for the people then? Yeah, yeah, it's Edwin Brody Mensa. Coming at you, that's cool. Doctor. Doctor, hey. didn't, uh, I was surprised uh, you didn't uh, mention literally. that, but <laughs> it's not like Modesty. you. Literally, you've changed. No, nah, no, nah, yeah. Dr. Bernie Mensa. Hey, yeah, there it is. Kweku. Kweku. I forget Bernie what Kweku is your name. Yeah, yeah. How you doing, Edwin? It's been good. Just got back from Ghana. Nice. Literally landed today. I know. <laughs> so I'm, very, I'm so glad you tried to cop out of this. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. A couple yeah. of times you were like, Oh, no. Long follow, you know, like I'm gonna land that day. I said, No, I'm sorry. No, but that's because we were originally gonna do it on a Tuesday. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, we were. Yeah. So it's, it's all good. I'm glad you found time for in the mic, in the mic, in the mic. It's all good, you know. Luckily, you can move it a bit closer. I uh I slept the whole the whole plane. The whole plane journey. Really? Oh yeah, because you got upgraded. Must be nice. Must be where where did you find this luck, please? Because it doesn't make sense. But you're always is, getting upgraded. I've free. always been telling people since I since we, since we met in Club Me and we've been traveling. Mm, yeah. I've been telling people Air Miles is everything. Yeah. And so I've got status. And because I had status on the flight, they upgraded me from mm. economy. Because I bought economy. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is, my mum said, How are you flying to Ghana? Mm. Premium or business? <laughs> she, <laughs> didn't, she, she, she didn't even consider economy. economy. No, <laughs> so premium or business. I'm so And I, I looked at my mum and I was like, Economy <laughs> It's You're stingy though You're typical Ghanaian You're actually tired But for me I was like I'm going to save that money I'm going to put it into crypto So I said okay I'm going to do that Yeah And then I went economy As I was going to Ghana Got upgraded anyway yeah. To premium economy Imagine that So I was like wicked Then Mad. on the way back Got upgraded to premium economy Two days before I was going to check in So I saw it I was like okay I've been upgraded both sides Yeah Then the day you know before the flight They upgraded me again From premium to business Crazy just ridiculous. You're a witch. I've been saying that, to be fair. You're ruining people's money. This comes out on Monday, by the way. And people want to be cheered up. They don't want to be hearing about all this stuff that's going to make them envious. No, but it's, we're going to be dropping some tips, isn't it? We are going to be dropping some <laughs> you <know>? tips. You've <laughs> let the the jig is up as far as why you're here. Okay. So you said we met in Colombia. Okay. So this week's Toxic Thought is a submission from someone that's very interesting about London. Let me read it out. Um, and then we can get into the history of how I know Dr. Mensa. Um, so the toxic thought is, I hate London, but I don't know what to do about it. I find people in this city too judgmental and stiff for my liking. It's so hard to make friends and even harder to date healthily. And I am fed up. I am a really sociable person, but I feel like London really holds me back from living my best life. Wow. You see the same faces at every party and getting drunk is 90% of what we call fun. 
Uh, plus, everyone is so concerned with watching face rather than actually having a good time. These days, even trying to plan fun things to do here feels like a force. I'm going to need Londoners, Londoners to loosen up and not be so close-minded about making new friends or I'm out of here. You've mentioned leaving the country a lot on the pod and I think I'm at the point where I'm ready to take a leap and do something similar, but I just don't know where to start. I'm also worried about not being able to... Uh, no, sorry. I'm also worried about how to make life anywhere else work and if I'll meet people who are anything like me. So... You are the perfect person for this, for obvious reasons. But I want to explain the story of how we met a little bit. Go. Um, <laughs> so I was in Colombia and I'd been there for like three months, three or four months. And I made friends with a, a beautiful Colombian girl called Stephanie. Um, I think Stephanie actually listens. If you are listening, te extraño mucho, Stephanie. Te extraño. De, uh, me espero que estás bien. Eso, <laughs> uh, y gracias mucha, mucho por escuchando. Um, so yeah, Stephanie said to me, I've got some, I made some friends from London and these black guys and they're really cool. So Stephanie's black. She's black Colombian. Uh, they're really cool. And one of their friends is coming. And I was like, okay, cool. She said, yeah, I'll introduce you. He's from London. You guys, Tara was like, you're definitely going to get on your book from London. I was like, all right, whatever. So we met that night and I was like, oh, he's actually really cool and oh. really normal. And <laughs> God forgive me. I was expecting a widow. I'm not going to lie. I thought I was the only creep who would pick up and just leave and go to Colombia with no plan, no nothing. So when she said your story was the same, I was like, He's obviously going to be a weirdo. But you weren't a weirdo. Well, you are a weirdo, but not as much of a weirdo as I thought. Um, and so, uh, do you remember that night? I do. And we went to, what was it? It was like a live music event. It was a street party. There was yeah, a few there was there. a street party there. And that's when, remember when you were saying you're vegetarian, but you were eating chicken that night? <laughs> that was happening that day. <laughs> I've even got the video. People want to see that so later. That's, that's exactly what happened. I remember it. <laughs> what is that? I remember. I was vegetarian. Yeah, I remember. I was like, right. and then when did I eat chicken? <laughs> they were, we're on the street. We're on the street. That chicken. I want to remember that chicken. Yeah. I was pescatarian, oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have a day off every now and then. <laughs> I'm actually pescatarian again. Okay, so don't judge me for whatever. No, I'm not judging you. Do you want? Because I remember being vegan, and people used to judge me. So I'm not doing that. But I just distinctly remember because you said it, and you grilled me. So I was like, All right, bet. <laughs> so no, yeah, that's the, the story of how I met Edwin. What were your first impressions when you met me? Because I, I met Stephanie through the guys I know in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she told me to come out. I guess it was, I think you, it was all girls I was with that night. It was, yeah, me, like Amina, Stephanie, a couple of others. Yeah, I think And then you was. were cool instantly because the thing is, when I met you, I was like, the London banter is yeah, just so just easy, there. so familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when, when I was traveling, because by that point I'd been traveling for three and a half months, more mm -hmm. or less. Yeah. So I was only three days into being in Colombia, not long at all. Yes, you were proper like, new. Proper I remember, new. Yeah. I remember what you were wearing. Um, I've got photographic memory. And so then meeting you, I was like, oh, you're cool. Yeah. Because that instant connection from someone you know from London, yeah, yeah, yeah. they get the lingo, they get the banter. Yeah. You don't have to explain much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that and was, I remember it being there. a bit awkward because I feel like me and you started talking a lot and then it was almost like, Stephanie, we had to kind of re-bring her back into the conversation. Because it was harder for me because... I don't speak Spanish by that time. Yeah. So you pretended that you speak Spanish. You're always you, 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 you were saying that you just learned it You're... two weeks ago. But now I'm actually on the podcast. <laughs> I can correct the viewers who saw that post that you tried to put out. What did that say? Remember when you tried to call me out on Instagram? You said that you taught me Spanish. Yeah. Kevin. 
Is this what you're doing? This is what we're doing. So we're, we're here to lie today. Yeah, we're here to <laughs> the talk first about time the Edwin heard me speak Spanish, he was mesmerized. I'm sure he fell in love with me. He was mesmerized. And you, you wouldn't stop talking about it. You're so good. I How thought it was impressive. Learn? But then when I found out you've been learning for 10 years, I, I hadn't like, been learning oh. for 10 years. When did you start learning? We, I How did, did, when you start learning? I did Spanish. Yeah, but let's, let's say, when you start learning, how <laughs> No, not start learning. The way you put it is like, I've been learning when for you 10 start years. Learning? I learned at GCSE level. From 12 obviously. to what? Not from 12. What are you talking about? When do we do GCSEs? We start at 12. No, you don't. What, what foreign language did you study? Spanish. From what age? From like 14 or, or, or 15. That's when you start your GCSEs, no. isn't it? No, no, but you, we still were learning Spanish <laughs> before the GCSEs. Okay, yeah, I did. I did like Okay what did you learn Let's do that French And how much French you speak Absolutely nothing There we go then So don't try and use This whole GCSE thing As a cop out For the fact that I'm actually sick At learning languages Yes Miss A-Star There we go There we go Let's get to it You you would always do this to me In Colombia People would be like How long have you been learning And I'm like Six months You say She's a liar From across the room Definitely not six months (laughs) If you've been learning For seven years Prior You take a break Then you come back to it It ain't six months I wasn't learning Okay check me I've been I've been a computer programmer Since I was 15 years old Mm -hmm. I stopped programming when I was 27. Yeah. If I started programming now and someone goes, wow, you're sick at programming. It's like, yeah, I started six months ago. <laughs> is, is that right? Is that it's right? It's not the same. Is that right? No. Is that right? It's not the same. Right. Because it's let's, the same. Let's move on. Let's move on. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, this is my podcast. You know, you must let's move on. You're so dumb. No, for real, let's move on though. Because I, I, I enjoy that. The fact that I learned quickly and you're taking that away from me. I'm not here for it. But yeah, anyway. Why did you go to Colombia? Originally, I had just come back from Thailand. I was a month in England and I was thinking, okay, what am I going to do now? Because I I originally went to Thailand for work purposes. Mm. So I wasn't trying to travel. I actually Mm. wasn't trying to leave my situation. Mm. But when I got back to London, I felt a bit displaced Mm. because I was living in America for three years prior to that. Yeah. So now being back in London, I was like, I don't really want to stay here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my situation had changed Being a Londoner mm. So I called one of my friends Rebecca And I said to her You know what I think I need to find a hobby And Spanish could be a good hobby mm-hmm. So where is the best place To learn Spanish And the reason I asked her Is because she'd just come back yeah. From travelling around Like Latin America yeah, region yeah, yeah. Rebecca that I've met Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. So I said to her Where's the best place You've been so far To study Spanish And mm. she said She really loved Colombia And she loved Guatemala mm. So Go to Colombia Like a week and a half later I'd been yeah. gone I'd gone That's typical you though And then I just went Jumped in a plane Booked two days At this Spanish school Called Toucan Yeah I remember Toucan And then flew out And it was while I was there Because of Instagram My boys were like Are oh, you in Colombia Connect with Stephanie mm. And then I met Stephanie At my Spanish school Look at how like, God blessed you that. With me in your life Look at that It's mad isn't it It's mad But I, I want to go back actually So first of all Let's introduce you properly What do you do Who are you and I'm actually really intrigued to hear how you say this because I remember how you used to say it. But go on. I don't even know now. Like, you throw me off. <laughs> no, no. Say what you want to say and I'll judge you after. <laughs> no, actually, another question. I want to start this properly because this is going to set up the trajectory for how I'm, if I'm going to grill you, if I'm going to be nice to you during this interview. Okay. When's the last, what's the last episode that you listened to on the podcast? Maybe the early ones, like five. Are you lying? No. Yes, you are. I'm not lying. What, which episodes? Give me a topic. I couldn't tell you. 
You're lying. I know you listened to one. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you. Because I also listened to some of the clips that you have on your TikTok. That's not listening. All right. It's a minute. So, so now she's going to do me. <laughs> it's a minute. So there we go. <laughs> we set the tone now. Cool. <laughs> this isn't going to be a nice one. So tell us what you do. <laughs> um, so yeah, I have a company where we're all about helping people get clean drinking water. So we sell stainless steel water bottles mm-hmm. where... When someone buys a water bottle, we're able to give them access to a water network of locations where they can get free water refills. Mm-hmm. And with the money that we make from the sales of those water bottles, we're able to help another person in Africa get five years of clean drinking water. Mm-hmm. So the premise is that as you get water, we're able to give water to everyone else. Yeah. So I started that back in 2009 mm-hmm. when I was still a university student and I've been growing the company ever since. And now the company's remote. So mm-hmm. it enables me to, you know, move to Colombia move around, yeah. and do these kind of things yeah. and travel. And how do you get the water to, to people in Africa? What is it that you do? So we work with NGO partners mm. and drillers in communities, typically right now in Ghana, Malawi, and Namibia, mm-hmm. where they then drill about 50 meters down into the ground mm. to access groundwater. Mm-hmm. And then we purify that groundwater, we install a borehole. Yeah. And that provides anywhere from between 800 to 1,000 people to get access to clean drinking water, essentially for life. Yeah. Now we say it's five years per bottle, but when we've, Given someone water, we don't take it away after exactly, five years. Yeah, it's an it's installation always that's yeah. always there. Yeah. And then in the community, they provide, they create a committee. Mm. And that committee is then responsible for maintenance of that water project yeah. so that the project itself is sustainable and it's not dependent on Give Me Tap to keep continually funding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. that's how the business has been operating. We've been now doing it for 12 years. Um, and yeah, we'll see how it keeps growing. So the, I was going to ask you what's it called because you didn't say the name, but you just said it. Give me tap. Give me tap. It's absolutely sick. I when I met you, I was in awe because I think when I first met you, the way you said it was like it was some minor like side project. You said, and that's what I was waiting for you to say again. You said, I work with a company that makes <laughs> water bottles uh, and and provides clean water to people in Africa. And I was like, he works with an NGO basically. You failed to mention you are the founder and CEO of it and it's doing incredibly well. And so also worth mentioning, Edwin comes from a family of black excellence. Edwin's (laughs) sister is the founder and CEO of Shubs.com. Listen, your family's doing bits, absolute bits. But anyway, so... But just to get back on that, the reason why I didn't introduce the company like that is by the time I'd met you, the company was going for a certain trajectory. Mm. So I didn't want my identity to be of attached. who I was to be, I'm this person who runs a company called Give Me Tap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was traveling, I wanted people co- to connect with me. Yeah. So I started to remove this identity around, I'm a CEO of a company and this is how you should get to know me. Yeah. So I made my company just something, yeah, this is just what I do to afford my lifestyle. Mm. But if you want to connect with me, connect with me as a human being yeah, yeah, and yeah. not through the veil of, my yeah. company. And I'm really glad that you did that because I don't think I would have perceived you in the way I did if you did introduce yourself to me as I'm a hotshot CEO entrepreneur man. I would have, I probably wouldn't have opened up to you in the way that I did, but I, I, you felt very relatable. But obviously getting to know you over the years, I got to know just how, first of all, how much of a genius you are and also how well your company's doing. And that's always been so secondary to you, which I love. I like that. I prefer that just like just to, to know to people as as they are, not yeah, the accolades. Yeah. That yeah. Then you you warp your perce- perception of people. Yeah, yeah. So that's why when we met, I was very kind of blasé, just so oh, chill about it. That's it. Yeah, done. Next, <laughs> you know what I mean. That's how it was. It's yeah. only with time. I kept looking at you sideways, like, 
what the hell? This man has blown and he's so quiet about it. I, I really love that time in, in Columbia and we're probably touching it more, but getting to know everyone, I realized I didn't know what people did until maybe six yeah, months that's down the true, road. I'm that's like, true. Wait, we'll you do, do what? Yeah, so true. And I really found that quite interesting because if you're in London, that's like question number two. Yeah. And people yeah. get so into it. Yeah. And now that is who I think yeah, you are. That's your value yeah. to me. What do you do? Yeah. And it's interesting you mentioned that because I feel like with this toxic thought that this person submitted, I can relate to it so much because before I left the country, that was one of my main issues. Like I attached my identity to what I did for work, but I hated what I did for work. <laughs> so I was out here hating myself basically. Um, and I feel like Colombia is the only reason I've been able to really compartmentalize work. I see it 100% now as means to an end. And I mean, the end is 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 to make money. And so now I'm way more willing to be creative about the way I make money because I know I'm smart. I don't need my my job to validate me in that way. Whereas I think I did at one point. Um, but yeah, I want to get into like Thailand because you've got an interesting story. Like obviously your company's doing really well now, but it's been a journey, obviously. For sure. And so when you first left the country, what was what were your motivations? Why did you go to Thailand? The thing is, if I, if I take it further back, it's like three and a half years ago before Thailand. So now we're talking 2014. Yeah. I got opportunity to move to America. Mm-hmm. And I decided to leave America in November 2014 to go on a program called Y Combinator in order to scale the company and introduce it into America. An accelerator, yeah. So I went through the accelerator that was based out in San Francisco, grew the company. And by growing a company, we had partnerships with our factories in China. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're growing, we're scaling. Then... I moved to New York. We continued to scale the company. Mm. But as we're scaling the company, I'm noticing that we're having a few production issues mm-hmm. around 2017, April. And so I'm trying to push for our factory to produce products because we've got clients who wanted it. But then it turned out that after six months of delays and clients having to be refunded, mm. we were struggling now financially because I had to return capital that we had banked on. Mm. But yet I had paid the factory to produce the products. Yeah. They didn't produce the products. They went bankrupt. And so now I was like, well, I'm out of pocket. Yeah. And so I had to get rid of all my team, mm-hmm. had to scale back completely. Yeah. And then in December 2017, I was just like, so what exactly am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And so a consideration was, okay, I could leave New York because now you can't live in New York without peas. <laughs> yeah. just... No, you'll <laughs> die within a week. Yeah. <laughs> Rent's mad. It's true, yeah. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do? Now, the thought of coming back to London didn't sit right mm. because now I'd been away for three and a half years and there's some sort of sense of like a bit of embarrassment now coming back to London yeah, yeah. and then there's when I come back to London it's so easy for people to just tell me to get a job because before give me tap before entrepreneurship I was an investment banker mm. and so the route to banking would be easy yeah, yeah. And so if I came back to Safe. London I thought I would just hear those voices of safety mm. go and get a job go mm. and get a job Mm. So instead of coming back to London And staying in London During that Christmas period Mm. I flew to Amsterdam Mm -hmm. And one of my investors And one of my best friends Lives out there Alex And Mm. so I sat down with him And said I think I need to Escape Mm. I think I need to travel Mm -hmm. So I don't hear Voices of Be safe Just do the right thing Get a job And Don't worry about giving me time Just close it Because I was convicted That this company mattered It was important And I could turn it around Mm. So he's just like You should do it And that's all the confirmation I needed Yeah yeah. 
So a month later, I booked a plane ticket and went to Thailand for that reason of being closer to China because I didn't want to live in China exactly. Mm-hmm. So I was in Thailand. I would go back and forth to find a new factory mm-hmm. to then revamp the whole operations yeah. of the company. Yeah. And that's what I did. And I started growing a company in Thailand. And that was the first time I started thinking, wow, could I actually be a remote company? Because mm-hmm. I was nine hours away from my clients. Mm-hmm. But I was so productive. Yeah, yeah. And it started to break down what I believed about corporate structures. How it has to work, yeah. Yeah, I never... When my team used to want to be remote, I was like, no, you have to be around me. You have to be mm. near the founder, get the energy and mm-hmm. all this stuff. When I was in Thailand, it's like, actually, yeah. I could just do this. Work, work during the day, have a bit of time mm-hmm. to myself, then work at night. Bob's your uncle. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that started breaking my reality. I remember you saying how... Difficult it was in Thailand. Like money was mad. <laughs> I want to get into the real because I think people listening to this who are interested in moving abroad, money is one of the biggest issues. How to make money abroad, how to survive, um, and that security. And your story I found really interesting because I felt like it's such an example of the fact that sometimes shit really does go left, but you can find a way. Yeah, no, if, if we're going to get into the specifics, then it's a good day you bring that up. If I'm going to get to the specifics, what, so what happened is come December, I have nothing. Mm-hmm. I've depleted all my savings to pay all my team, mm-hmm. to pay back clients, to do everything. So now I have nothing on my face, basically. Mm-hmm. And my friend has now given me his confirmation that I should go to Thailand, but I cannot afford to go to Thailand. <laughs> I have no money. <laughs> like, there's nothing. Yeah. So now it comes January and... I saw something on Instagram that someone posted a book called Profit First. Mm-hmm. It's like, what's this? But the week before that, I'd seen the book. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes when things come in my peripheral again and again and again, I'm like, maybe Spencer, I need to look into yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So I decided to buy this book. And when I bought it, my mind exploded. Mm. That I spent the next 10 days every day reading the book, but executing everything the book had told me. Mm-hmm. And I re- realized that in the past, when I'd read books, I thought I was smarter because I'd got knowledge, mm. but I didn't apply any of it. Mm. But I just thought I was smarter because yeah, I knew Yeah, and that was all you needed from me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I read the book and now I know. And then what are you doing with it? I though? was applying this. And as I was applying it, things were. Like progressing mm. slowly but surely, nothing with money coming in, but I was putting structures in place that was giving me the right mental framework mm. to earn money again. Yeah, yeah. And then I went back to New York because I had to move out because I couldn't afford to live there anymore. Yeah. So when I went back to New York, I had all of these letters that my mum had been telling me to open for maybe four months. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'll open it, I'll open it. And I didn't open it because sometimes bills. Or letters at home have an associated between bills. Same, I and hate. so you're like, I don't even want to see hate this. Letters. <laughs> my mum will still now, she'll call me and be like, You got a letter? I'm like, Throw away. <laughs> I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. And so I was not, I was hesitant to even open them, especially when I've got mountains of pressure financially. Yeah, yeah. But I came home and was like, It's a clean slate. What's the worst that could happen now? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I opened all these letters and I opened one and it's 250 pounds. Check from Halifax Bank. Oh. Because okay. they said years ago they were charging some overcharge fees, mm. overdraft fees that they weren't allowed to. So here's some money. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm up. I'm up. I'm up. <laughs> 250. Yeah, I'm up. And yeah. then I opened another letter, and in that letter contained a credit card. And I was baffled because it's like, what's this credit card for? And I remember in times of struggle, mm-hmm. back in October, I had applied 
for a credit card. Yeah. So I could help pay off some stuff. Mm-hmm. But I was in New York mm. and they delivered it in England. Okay. I never saw it. Okay. And they never called me to tell me, we've issued you a credit card. Yeah, they yeah, just yeah. sent it. So now I see this credit card and I'm like, what's the limit? I'm up again. What's the limit? Like, <laughs> I'm up. So as soon as I got there, I bought the ticket to Thailand. Mad. And I said, all I need to do to, in Thailand is just spend three to ten dollars a day. Yeah. Mass or minutes. Because my brother used to live in Thailand. More or less. Well, more <laughs> or less. Or <laughs> more or less. And he was telling me how affordable it was there. Yeah. And so when he told me that, I was like, okay, I could survive for two months living in Thailand. Mad. And I remember you saying you were going to 7-Eleven for your one pound meal. I was going to yeah, one pound meal. They had 7-Eleven is a different level. I'm telling you, you're laughing now, you bet. 7-Eleven. The way you told me about it. <laughs> Have you you've been there, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 7-Eleven is Thailand. Wicked. Yeah, I I would only get like drinks and snacks there. I didn't know they had meals. You never meals. got the rice? The nah, rice I never yo. got any of them. No, he but said, it's, yo. No, it's actually delicious. If anyone's out there that's been to Thailand, please let us know. Is it not live? It's like I'm dead. The fact that it's one pound is fantastic. So I was doing that most mornings, just doing that, doing that. And I was staying in a hostel with eight people. Mm. So I just did that for almost three months. Mad. And the company grew exponentially. To put it in perspective, right? In 2017, we earned, let's say, X. Mm. By that, by three months later, after like my company had like nosedived, yeah. I had relocated to Thailand, mm. found a new factory. By March, which is three months later, mm. we had made more money than we did for the whole year. Mad. Before, when wow. I had five team members. Mad. And it was just me. Yeah. So now yeah. I just said, oh, I'm up. <laughs> I don't have to work this whole year. I could chill. Wow. And then the next month, we got our biggest client. I was like, oh, wow, I'm really up. Mm. But I had been learning money mindset. And through the reading the book, Profit First. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it's like, I'm not increasing my lifestyle. Yeah. Now, I am going to save so aggressively because I don't have a New York apartment to pay for. Mm. I can just stack. Yeah. And I'm going to humble myself and stay in Thailand and stay in this hostel and not change anything. And that's just what I did. I just stayed there. I stayed there. And that's that the helped in you. That allows you to do that. A lot of money. That really is. Because the way I would start splashing, there's no way. But the thing is, I think every time you touch that fire and you get burned, do you know what you're, I, you're I get? Like, it. The Maybe trauma I shouldn't do that from having no money. I hear it. I get why you would maintain a, a very humble lifestyle after that. And in Thailand, to be honest, having a humble lifestyle in Thailand, I was living in a hostel. Yeah, which I don't know what that brings to people's mind, but this hostel's beautiful. Mm. <laughs> and no, this yeah, hostel in Thailand, I was paying. It was eight to ten dollars a night. Mm. But in Thailand, that was expensive because my other count, my friends that I met in Thailand were paying two to three dollars a night. I just didn't want to live that. Long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were broke, but not that broke. Yeah, I was like, I, no, because also money mindset was important because the stuff I was reading about how to tune your mind correctly to make money and to keep it was, yeah, okay, stack, save. But there's certain things you don't want to cut corners on. Yeah. Because yeah. it affects how you feel about yourself. 100%. And abundant And your, your potential to make money. Yeah, absolutely. And so there was certain limits that, you know, something when we come sometimes you call me bougie. But hmm. there's certain thresholds that I want to maintain. Yeah, yeah. I get you. I do the same thing. Like, there's certain standards of living that I have that no matter where I am, no matter how broke I have been, I'm not going to change or compromise on that kind of thing. 
Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I think my story's different. It's similar but different because you were cor- you were corporate, and then you were doing Give Me Tap on the side. Yep. And then you eventually quit and did Give Me Tap full time. Then went to America. So you kind of had things set up for you. Like as much as it was a leap, you were given an opportunity that meant that you would move abroad. Basically, um, I told this story last week, so I won't go into it too much, but. My story was I worked corporate, absolutely hated it, had a quarter-life crisis, quit, and didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I went to Colombia with £12,000 and blew it. Was you saving knowing you wanted to travel? No, I was okay. just saving. And so that one of the issues that I had was when I decided I wanted to leave, my family was like, that's a house deposit. Yeah. What the hell are you doing? I said, I made my mind up. This is what I'm doing. But everyone was looking at me like, this girl is... They thought I was losing my mind, genuinely. And I get it. Um, and obviously, my mum was having a heart attack every five minutes because she thought that I was going to be murdered as soon as I land. <laughs> Kidnapped and murdered for ransom as soon as I land. Um, so yeah, I think... I guess my story is probably a lot more relatable to a lot more of the listeners. Um, and I don't know. I want to be able to give this person constructive advice as far as what... When, at what point is the right time to do it? And what's the things that you should maybe have practically in place before doing it? Um, I think for me, there's no such thing as the right time. Um, and I think practically what's important to have is a bit of money and determination to actually just be abroad. Because I, I really do believe you can be very creative about the way that you make money. Um, and sorry, something that I actually wanted to talk about in more detail is how you feel about London. Because... To, to, before you go into that, you know when you talk about, you know, when the, when's the right time to travel? Mm. Did you have a habit of traveling before you made the plunge to travel? Because I yeah. find sometimes the people who are used to traveling, mm. it's easier to make the leap yeah, 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 yeah. because you've just got experience. Because the fact, if you have never traveled, you would never have chosen Colombia. That's true. Because that's like Colombia. Yeah, that's yeah, left. Yeah. It's true, yeah. And maybe those... Other light touch, frequent flyers, trips here and there Mm. helps to mentally prepare you to take that plunge. Yeah, definitely. Of going somewhere random. There was a point in my life that um, I was going, I was trying to leave the country once a month. So even if it was a weekend, I would make sure that I leave the country once a month. Like I I really like to travel. Alone? Uh, Sometimes alone, sometimes with people, usually with people. If it was a weekend, I might go alone. Um, but if it was a longer term trip, had I, th- th- um, Colombia was my first long term solo trip. It's just I think those things help. Like for example, if I look at myself, I was not solo traveling, but I was going. I had to go to China for work. Yeah, yeah. I had yeah. to go to different places in different countries alone. I yeah, might be there yeah. for a week or two. Yeah, and I got rid of the concept that I won't make friends mm. or I won't meet anyone, and I'll be alone in my room to yeah. my phone because when you're out traveling, you realize that actually. I'm more open when I'm alone. You're way more open by yourself, yeah. yeah. People, sometimes I like, I prefer traveling with myself for that reason. Like, if I've got a safety blanket of a friend, 
I'm probably not going to really put in much effort into meeting new people. Exactly. But it's not, it's easy, it's easier said than done. Like, I remember my first day in Colombia, landing, got to, so basically I had booked a hostel for my first two weeks because everyone said, book hostel so you can make friends because how else are you going to meet people? The hostel, that I, when I got to the hostel, I don't like hostels, but I did it for the greater good of making friends. When I got there, it was just a bunch of white people high off of their heads and the place was dirty. And I had my life in two suitcases, my whole life in two suitcases in this hostel. And I was like, what have I done? And the way I did it was I booked a private room because I didn't want to share, but it was in the hostel. So it was like, oh, you can get the best of both. It's still private, but then you, you can meet people in there. I was out there within a week. And I, because I really struggled to make friends. And I also struggled with, and I'm a tool, you know me, I, so I talk for days. But I think it was, uh, to be honest, actually, I think the main thing that held me back was the fact that most people that I met were really short-term people. Everyone was like, here for two days, then I'm going to San Andres, then I'm going to um, uh, Argentina, and da, 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 da. And I was there like, I live here now. <laughs> so two days with you will be nice. But after that, then what? Um but yeah, it, you'd be surprised the way things just fall into place yeah. as you're there. Because then I moved to Laurelis and I know you were anti-Laurelis or whatever. Um, and I started making friends via Facebook, actually. Facebook groups of people who were traveling and, and expats, expat groups. Wow, that's how I started meeting people. And from there, you kind of learn the spots. And when you go to a spot, you end up meeting For sure. a, a bunch of people. Um, but yeah, I want to go back to the London part of it because I think that is such an important part of this conversation. Like, why do people hate London the way they do? Should we? Is it is it toxic to hate London in the way that we do? How do you feel about London? <sighs> London. <laughs> I love London. And I left London because I had to, because mm-hmm. of work. When I left London, mm-hmm. there wasn't a bad taste in my mouth. There still isn't. Oh, so, really? So when I, when I left London, I left because there was a motivation for leaving. I was going to grow my company somewhere else. It wasn't mm. a, a push factor. Like, there was a pull factor for me to go. Yeah. So I left. I would come back to London frequently. And when I was coming back, I was treated really well because my friends would all come and see me. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it was back you, in town. It was exciting. It was yeah. exciting. And I'd come back every five, three to four months, come back. It was groovy. Mm. And so London doesn't have a bad taste in my mouth. It's, now that I've seen more, I understand what's possible in terms of lifestyle creation. I agree. And so yeah. my lifestyle has changed mm. dramatically. Mm. So much so that when I live in those other countries that I'm at, I'm like, wow, my lifestyle is incredible. That when I come back to London, I'm like, it's harder to achieve the same lifestyle. Yeah. Even from something so simple as the weather. Yeah. I have come oh, from a God, plane seriously. today. 35 degrees yesterday mm-hmm. And now I'm in I'm in 5 degrees Yeah It's so sad And that impacts my moods now mm-hmm. Because I'm used to Waking up in 30 something degrees Weather With sunshine Almost every single day of the mm-hmm. year I haven't done a winter in England For years Yeah So when I am here And it's cold My like, first winter here was rough Like And I know my friends got fed up of me Because every single day They'd be like Morning I'm like Another day in this ghetto <laughs> Look at the sky. Why is it so grey? How do you guys stay here? How do you... I'm even shocked at myself that I'm here. I'm very disappointed in myself that I've managed to normalize this very horrific city. <laughs> you know, because when I, I obviously I was speaking to I was speaking to people that when we met in Colombia, 
they were traveling, then they've gone back to London. Mm. And so, you know, when I speak to them, I'm surprised that they're still in London, but it's not surprising in the same breath because London has that cadence. Yeah. And you meet up with your friends every now and then, you complain about the weather, you complain about some stuff, but you just kind of get on with it. Yeah, you do. And you just get on with it and it's easy to get sucked back into the yeah. system, yeah. which is yeah. London. And because I'm not into the system, whenever I come back, my eyes are wide open. Mm. I'm like, yo, this... This ain't it. This way of lifestyle is so different. I don't understand why people are living for the weekend. Every day when we were in Colombia, I would see you almost every day. Yeah, yeah. Like, me, you, me. And we me, would do uh, something like, we'll every day, yeah. yeah. There was not this, oh, I'll see you in seven days. Mm. But no, it was, what are you doing tomorrow? That was such a shock to the system for me when I got back. Like, I'd say to my friends, like, oh, guys, what are we doing? They'd be like, 23rd of June. L- and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> These times it's March. <laughs> literally, literally. No, you, no. Every, And my diary is a diary now. Like, everything is scheduled in. And I hate that so much. I'm a spontaneous person. I love spontaneity. And... By the time I've booked something for three weeks in advance, when that day comes, usually I'm not even in the mood for it anymore. And I have to force myself to do it because we booked it in. And if we try and book another date in, it's going to be in another six months. I cannot stand it. So when I do come back, my fairy dust effect wears off if I'm here for longer than a month. Yeah. If I'm here for a month, it's wicked. Mm. Longer than that, it's like, oh, I'll see you whenever. Because yeah. I remember my friend did that to me was I tried to have a meet meeting. <laughs> And it was, I think, four weeks out in the four, calendar. Yeah, like, it's mad. That was a culture shock almost yeah. to me when I come back from Colombia. And then it's harder in London because it's such a big place that even with friends here, you're so displaced around London that your yeah. friend might live an hour and a half away. Yeah. yeah Whereas in Colombia, everyone lived five to ten minutes yeah. away. In the and a, ta- a taxi was, what? How much was it? Five? I think the five most mil? I've ever paid. Ten yeah, mil? literally. Which which is like three pounds. Yeah. The most I ever paid for a cab in Colombia was three pounds. Yeah. Three pounds to go, maybe 20 minutes drive. Yeah. That's a no-brainer. Like you could jump in and see a friend in minutes. Yeah, yeah. And that made it accessible, which meant we had community. Mm. And having community, I started to realize how beautiful that was. And we weren't travelers that were just transient. We were travelers that were there we, for a long we lived time. There. How long? I think I spent I at least two ten. years with you. Were you there for two years? No, no, I was there for 10 months. Oh, but okay. 10 months over a, a longer period because I would go... And come back. Come I remember back. you went, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I'd go times. to Brazil, Argentina, different places and come back and come yeah, back yeah. continually. But I think that's some of the differences in London. It's London is... I guess it's very capitalist. Everyone is work-focused. Mm, in some of the countries we've lived in, it's, that's not the main focus. It's really it's, not. Yeah. Friends and family is important. Yeah. Having a good lunchtime and dinner time with people is important. It's, community is massively community is important. Yeah. And I've realized how important it is to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably what people are feeling when they become disillusioned with London. And I think as well, given that I'm now older, mm. being in my you know mid-retirement ages. Mid-retirement ages. <laughs> you don't want to say your mo- age. Most of my friends, I'm 30, 37 what, four days, five days. Me and my birthday, Aries and that. Aries, you know, you start caring about all that. I really don't. <laughs> but, um, um, a lot of my friends are married. My friends mm. have kids. Mm. So even accessibility to my friends to do something spontaneous, that does, that can't happen. Yeah. There's different social structures they yeah. have now in place. You can't just do stuff at the drop of the hat. Yeah. So it's different. Be it, traveling communities a bit younger or they're single. Mm. So it's easier to just on a whim say, Do you want to fly to Cuba? And like, it's doable. Yeah. You yeah. called me 
Yeah. And you said, fly to Mexico. And you came. Yeah. I flew to Mexico. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it was you as simple really as that. Came, yeah. yeah, I just came. I just got the plane from Guatemala. I think like five days later, I was in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. And it was so much fun. It was so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> but I no. think that's some of the cool differences. What don't you like about London? I haven't I, even touched on dating. I, I've gone from a real... I was going to come at you with that. The environment. The dating and the people side of it. Like, do you agree with this person that dating here is a nightmare? And that people are just stush and stiff and watch face too much? And that's a big part of the problem that we have in this country. So when I was here last week, I went to a club here. I haven't mm-hmm. been to a club in London for a while now. And I dance salsa, as you know, because you mm-hmm. hate me for it. <laughs> I'm surprised it's only just coming up now. I dance so much salsa. And the culture in salsa is you can talk to everyone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everyone is approachable. No mm-hmm. one's got their back up. Mm-hmm. But going to a club in London, it's a bit different. Very. And yeah. so to talk to someone means you love them. And then they have to pre-qualify <laughs> if they love you too in that minute. And then it's probably maybe no. In that minute. And so then there's no... Just easy, light touch conversation. Yeah, yeah. And then some everything has so much meaning. Everything has so yeah. much meaning. Everything's so intense. Mm. And so I've struggled that, with that, that since. That I've I been struggle with man. a bit. Yeah. Um dating in London. I mean, I hear the horror stories from you know people and my friends and stuff, but I, I don't know. I think it's okay. Do you know what? You're a unique data. That's what I've learned about you. The way you date. I think you said. Well, be careful what we say now. <laughs> no, we, can, we can edit. We can edit. Worst case, we can edit. But the way uh, you date, I feel like you take real control of your dating situations, and you make it very clear what you're on. And I think women are kind of mesmerized by that. It's refreshing to have someone just be so honest, and they're like, "Cool, yeah, let's do that." And I, so I think I think that is reassuring for women. Who date you And so it makes them Kind of uh, Loosen up a little bit And not do the typical Usual stuff that people do When they're dating in London Like and what? Like Overthink everything And think that Everything Is leading to marriage Because That's the only reason That we could possibly Want to date Why do you date? To enjoy myself Really? Partially Because like, I, I don't mean, hear I wanna, many people say that To enjoy themselves Yeah I date I'm looking for a life partner, ultimately, for sure. But I am more than happy to also enjoy myself in the meantime, as far as like, like a light date. I don't know. I just, I like meeting people and connecting with people. (laughs) But I don't think I would ever be misleading as far as what it is that I expect to come of that relationship. I don't sell people dreams. But I'm here for a good time, not a long time sometimes. Yeah. But you know that I'm also... I'm very, I, I don't know, it sounds like I'm not interested in having a life partner. I'm very keen on a life partner. That's one of the reasons that I'm even here right now. Um, Back in London. I, I spoke to you about this. Yeah. That like, I don't like that I, I don't think it's likely that I'm going to meet my life partner abroad. Um, And I think something that Colombia taught me is, obviously I, I like, I like black guys and I usually like black guys from London. I'm, I can date guys, black guys who aren't from London, but probably he would probably need to be from America. Um, and the market is tiny there, so I would have Colombian guys moving to me, and I have zero interest. Yeah. And so 
the main person I dated in Colombia was from London. And in hindsight, it was definitely because he was, he was from London and it's like options are a few, <laughs> far and few between. So I kind of forced it and made it work. Um, and I met loads of women who are slightly older than me. I don't want to say too much, but I met quite a few women who are slightly older than me and have a really, a, a bitter taste in their mouth about dating. I had like a really... I think fresh and excited attitudes was it, and I generally usually do. Um, but those women had a bit of bitterness going because it wasn't working for them in that environment, and I felt like, well, I remember we had a conversation. About yeah, this. yeah, we have. Yeah, it's harder. I think it's way harder. It's harder. The pool is tiny. Your options are limited. So, and to, the to competition's pretend... different because <laughs> the competition is a lot of guys that are in traveling. Mm. Are looking for people who are from that country. Yeah, and so that then becomes much harder because the attention isn't even focused on you. Yeah, I had a major issue with all of that. Like, I, luckily for me, not to sound arrogant, but I actually got a lot of play in Colombia. Hey, hey, I, I hey, think. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. No, <laughs> not like that. But as far as I found that a lot of women would say they don't get any attention, and I was like, that ain't me. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I was. I don't know what it was, but I think it's because. Maybe because I was from London, to be fair, because it was a lot of American guys. And I think American guys were like, I'm not looking for an American woman. And I'm from London. It's like, that's still interesting, even though it's not Colombian. But the issue that I really had with Colombian was actually one of the main reasons that I left was the sex tourism and the way men just drool over Colombian women. They don't even speak a, a word of the same language, but they are willing to spend their life savings on her and flaunt her around and... I remember some of the guys that we would hang out with would bring their Colombian girlfriends that couldn't communicate with anybody and they couldn't communicate with them either. <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> They're not going to listen. Don't worry, it's fine. But I found it weird. And I also found it weird because the, they put them on such a pedestal that it's almost like they, they literally couldn't see women who didn't fit that profile. And so we would often go out with those kinds of guys and they wouldn't even say hello. If you're not Colombian, you, you don't exist. And I just found the whole culture, it, it was so closely, like the, the line was so fine for me with sex tourism and just dating a Colombian woman. Um, and that made me really, really uncomfortable. Um, but anyway, I've gone off on a tangent. The main thing anyway is I, part of the reason, it's not one of the active reasons that I came back, but it was one of the pros of coming back was I do want to settle down and find a life, life partner. And if I'm gallivanting across the universe, the, the chances of, of, of doing that are, are much slimmer, considering the type of guys that I like. Unfortunately for me, I've played myself and I like stupid guys. <laughs> stupid London guys. <laughs> you like what you like, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, do you... So you, you enjoy dating in London, but I think it's because of the way you go about it. Like, you take control and you're very clear from day one. I also enjoy dating. Yeah. Like I enjoy to do fun things. Same. So yeah. I have a good time. Yeah. I mean, and then if I'm with someone, they're having a good time because we're having a good time. It's this not, is it. I'm not going to some boring place and doing boring things. I like to try and do interesting things. Yeah. So I would go to that place if I wasn't on a date because it'd just be a cool thing to do. <sighs> Mate, and then yeah, I'm on a date. Thing so all the time. I'm meeting a new person. It's cool. Yeah. I like to find out about people. Um, I don't think it's that bad, but 
I think it gets a bad rap. I hear all the I hear all the stuff. Yeah, you it gets, it gets a bad you're rap a very unique part. experience to not find it bad. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. But I, I still don't understand what's terrible because then if I ask you and you say you're here to have a good time, but then you can have a good time. But no, I think I, I think it gets bad. I think when people have expectations of all relations need to end in an objective, i.e. All relationships initiated, all dates initiated, need to have a final endpoint, which Purpose, is yeah. a relationship, exclusive yeah. relationship leading to marriage. And if that is not achieved, the guy is an arsehole. <laughs> what? Just and I, okay, it could be both ways, right? No, yeah, it, it usually is ways. the guy that's seen as the arsehole. Yes. But what's, what's I, what I hear more through my ears, I don't know what you hear on your side, is more that the guy is an arsehole yeah. because he hasn't wanted to optimize for my objective. I mean, we have different objectives. That's the nature of it. Yeah, I think... I think in what... The issue that I find exists in London is people aren't honest. And that's why I'm saying that I think your experience is quite unique. I think the reason that the guy in that situation ends up being an arsehole is because he didn't go in saying, I don't know what I want. He'd be an arsehole anyway. It, it doesn't matter if you're clear. You're an arsehole because people don't think about the logics of the situation that you might have been clear at the beginning. It doesn't matter. I am hurt. You don't want something with me. You're on, in that moment, maybe in a year later, I might actually, you were clear, fine. You're not an arsehole. You're actually up front. <laughs> no, I but, know what you mean. But no one's hearing that in the moment. Yeah, in the yeah. moment, you're raging. You'll cuss everyone out. There's a thing and, of like guys who, um, women can sometimes do this thing of a guy will tell you what it is that he wants, but because he's acting like he's in a relationship with you, it's like, well, that's all that matters. And so his words no longer hold meaning because of his actions. And I I get that. I actually get that because I'm somebody who could do that. I'm somebody who could say, I'm, I don't know what I want and I'm just trying to enjoy myself for now and I like dating. But then... Part of what makes it enjoyable Is that we're pretending We're in a relationship <laughs> It's fun <laughs> It's nice to do companionship Like yeah. wholeheartedly Even though we know This isn't going anywhere <laughs> And so it can end up Looking bad on you But it's a shame That we're so like You're right We're so intention focused And I think it's There's a massive distrust In London specifically Between men and women um, Where the assumption is That a man's going to do day And so I think Women Sometimes even move like they want this intentional dating or, or relationship with a man. And they haven't even given themselves an opportunity to think about if that's what they actually want. It's just that respect, that's how you show respect. You respect a woman by showing her that you want to be serious with her. And so she might not even want to be with you, but you've got to definitely want to be with her. <laughs> I've got friends who have said that to me, like, if he doesn't confess his love, I just find it uncomfortable. <laughs> and I'm like, do you love him? He's like, absolutely not. <laughs> There's no way in hell. I think... It, we're just very bad at communicating with each other and we the trust is completely shattered and everything holds too much meaning. Like, I don't know, messaging someone frequently means that you really like them as opposed to maybe you're just interested in getting to know more about them or, yeah. Because then would you think, given what you have experienced being someone who dated while you're traveling, do you think it's more toxic to move abroad and try and date than it is to stay in London if you're at the point where you're trying to date. More toxic in what sense? That, I don't know, 
you could feel like you're not wanted, not desired, or no one, you don't have opportunities to date out there. Is it easier to date in London, given everything we've said about London dating versus going overseas and dating? Um, I think it is much easier to date elsewhere. Much easier. Because a lot of the things that people have attached to dating don't exist abroad. It's genuinely just, I like you and let's just get to know each other. And, um, you know, in London, there's all this like talking stage, dating stage. Then it's a relationship after three years. And (laughs) people have a real phobia of relationships in London. And I think when you go abroad, people are really cool with getting into relationships next week and then breaking up with you the week later is not that deep. And the focus is really comfortable for people to have their focus on the, like the experience. Yeah, and enjoying yourself. It's a minor. Yeah. Yeah, I guess if you if you come to the experience with a changed mindset, yeah, then you probably should have changed your mindset when you're in London. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. what I mean is, if you're going to go traveling around the world and go, actually, now I'm just going to enjoy the experiences. Yeah. Well, if you enjoy the experiences in London, you wouldn't have the same, you'd have the same yeah, results. Yeah, but you have to be in it with... Yeah, you have to be in it with the the person. The other person has to be on the same page as you of like wanting to enjoy the experience too. Because otherwise, it's not going to work. It needs to be both of you. Fair. Yeah. Fair. I'm annoyed because we have so much to talk about, but this is a very short episode. Um. <laughs> so I and do you have any any advice for this person who wants to make take the leap, make the leap, whatever, um, and doesn't know where to start? Um, I think deciding on. How long you want to travel for? Like, what is this? Is it complete cataclysmic? Are you trying to change your life completely and yeah. leave England forever? I think it's easier to think of it as a one to two month trip mm. mentally than yeah. I'm relocating I my life. Same, yeah. So I would, if I was going to do it again, I'd do the similar things. I believe I'd only go in for two months, have enough capital mm. to survive for two months. Yeah. Pick a place that I've researched a bit that's interesting. Maybe ask a few friends, and then just put maybe a week there, mm. touch down, see how it vibes. Pick a hobby. I would say when I went to Colombia, I was very fortunate that I did Spanish classes mm. to meet people, which led to me finding salsa, which led to me meeting almost all the friends I have. Yeah, yeah, and. Yeah. It's given me a vehicle to then go to any other country around the world to make friends and build community. Yeah. So I think finding a hobby that you like, that you can do in various places as well, yeah. helps you build connections okay, with people, yeah. which is a great way in if you're yeah. going to start bouncing around and traveling. So I think having a bit of money, if you want a work remote set up mm. while you travel, that's cool. If you can do it without that, I mean, mm-hmm. you can probably enjoy the experience even better yeah. and just use your capital that you saved. I would even advise that in the UK, you know, to find hobbies that you can meet people because this person's struggling with making friends in this country. And I hear it. People are so... It's really difficult to make friends in London. People have... The friends that you have now are the friends that you made likely when you were in secondary school up until uni, max. People don't make friends. Even work friends, they remain like work friends. And maybe you'll link up twice a year if you stay friends after leaving. So... A hobby is a good way to find community in this country, I definitely think. Because yeah, I think Londoners are just a bit more standoffish. We've got our friends. We're like, we don't yeah, need any more We friends. don't need any more. And mm-hmm. it's mad. You can meet... I find that so interesting. Like, you can meet a really cool person and get on. And it's like, we've just been friends for the night. You don't exchange details. It's like, yeah. nice meeting you. Never see you again. <laughs> Why wouldn't you exchange details? so weird. Other cultures are warmer. Well, the cultures yeah. we've been to. So. Yeah. 
some of the cottages we've we've, on, we've experienced, they are much warmer. They'll invite you to the house next week. Exactly. Their family, they Wait, the families quickly. that I met in Colombia, literally, just because, yeah, yeah, within days, yeah. So yeah, that's what I would try and get out as soon as possible as well, because you can overthink moving, mm. and you and I've had two forcing factors. So you actually had the chance to sit down and think. Mm. I had to go to China or yeah, I had to go to China. Yeah, One. Yeah. I had to move to America. Yeah. So I went. There wasn't, I didn't just sit down and go, I'm going to move and I did it. Yeah. But then Colombia was an active decision. And the reason I did it in a week is because if I sat down and I started thinking about it, I would have seen stuff about Colombia. People would have told you, Colombia, mm. ain't that dangerous? Like, why are you going to go there? You don't even speak the language. Yeah, yeah. And then I would have started building up fear and resistance. Sometimes you just got to get, get yeah. on it. No, I agree. I agree. You just have to go for it. Yeah. I would never change a food. And I'm, by the way, I'm leaving again. <laughs> Me being here was always temporary. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't want people to listen to this. I'm the towards the end of the year is when I'm gonna be free, ultimately. Okay. That's the plan. Yeah. So I have actually stuck to my plan. People think I've just come back, but no, I had a plan. That's good. And I'm still sticking to it. So yeah, as of the end of the year, I God willing will be free to to move. Um, so we'll be praying for me. Where do you think you're going to go? I'm still trying to decide. I think I want to go to Nigeria, you know. I've been saying, yeah, I, yeah, I obviously I did Nigeria yeah. for a couple of months before, but I want to stay a bit longer. And then likelihood is I'll probably be back in South or Central America. So then what if you're dating by then? What would you do? They've got to come with me. That's the point. They have to come. Or we have to have a lifestyle where it's like we both get it. We do our separate things and we come back together. Because I don't think I want to move anywhere long term. I want to be doing a couple of months in a place like okay, that. Okay. That's what I'm looking to do at the moment. I don't, I don't care to live anywhere else right now. But I want to move around and just be in warm weather around good vibes people. Yeah, I mean, that's probably a challenge for me given I travel and dating, you know, it's harder. Yeah, of course. Way harder. Yeah. But you're living your best though. I wouldn't expose too much. <laughs> Edwin's reason is There's nothing to expose. <laughs> I mean, there is, but sure. <laughs> I mean. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on. Your story is so interesting. And it's interesting. Um, I don't know. Speaking to you in this way Because it's like I'm, We're recovering stuff That we've already Very much discussed Because we know each other But yeah You've been a fantastic guest um, Thank you for sharing with us I hope that people listening Are inspired Anyone who wants to leave This bad vibes place Just do it Because you'd be surprised 100. How many people you'll meet Who are doing the exact same thing as you The fact that me and you met Is ridiculous um, And we're friends from London I mean, We're both from London And obviously still friends now um, So yeah I hope that this episode Has helped you To our submitter Please submit your toxic thoughts Using hashtag Wait am I toxic Or at Wait am I toxic DM us And we hope you have A fantastic week Bye 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 <laughs>